of us on our daily jobs, if we just decided, well, I'm, I'm not going to go to work this week. I'm just going to take off and follow the week, I'm just going to go in and pretty much do what I want to on the job. Do you think that uh, our employer is going to pay us for it? You know, it's pretty much the same thing with our Heavenly Father. We decided just to live our life the way we want to. But that really put God first. It's a lesson that I heard and I only caught part of it. Then I had to do some research and locate it and get it, but very interesting. So I hope, you know, that I can at least relate half of the enjoyment I got out of the the knowledge that I got out of this and the understanding of man and I didn't even catch his name but they gave on it but you would turn from text one it's gonna be coming out of Matthew chapter twenty. This is one subject this at any time you have to do a Bible lesson or something on spur of the moment. This seems to be one of the parables that really get people to talking and get people's uh, comments and attention. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1, going through 16. For the kingdom of heaven like to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into the vineyard. And when he had agreed with his laborers for a penny a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw another standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. Whatsoever brought I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And sent unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also to the vineyard, and whatsoever right, that shall ye receive. And when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they had come out, they were hired about the eleventh hour. They received every man a penny. And when they first came, they supposed that they should receive more and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which had borne the burden and the heat of the day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? That thy hiring is, that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto his last, even as unto you. Is it not lawful of me to do what I will with my own? Is that evil? Is that not evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. It's kind of hard to just to. If you just open the Bible up and just read this for the first time, to kind of understand that last part where it says that the last shall be first and the first the last. And we see here he's hiring them, he's uh, offering them a penny a day, which would be a denarius. So, but 
Before we get into examining this parable of the workers in the vineyard, I'd like to kind of look at a little bit of the background. We see in Matthew 19 and 16 that Jesus had a talk with the rich young ruler who was unwilling at that time to sell all that he had and give to the poor and follow Christ. So he went away sorrowful. Then Jesus began to talk to his disciples. We see in Matthew 19 and 23, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard that they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Verse 20, 19 and 26 tells us, But Jesus looked at them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter, who is famous for speaking out, asked a question in Matthew 19 and 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have, have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Peter wanted to know what would be their reward for leaving all they had behind and following Christ. We see answered that and on further down in Matthew 19, 28 to 30, where it says, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in this generation, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers, wife or children or land, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And then verse 30 tells us, But many who are, who are first will be last, and the last first. So Jesus tells them that they have a great blessing. That they have a great blessing, will get a great blessing for following him. But at the same time, in verse 30, he warns them by letting them know that their portion was set in stone because me. many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Those who put themselves last and put God first will truly be blessed. We see here that Jesus expounds upon the thought in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Matthew 20 and verse 1 it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a, a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Many times in these parables we see that, that Jesus was giving his disciples an insight of the kingdom to come, which began on the day of Pentecost. He, he also always used a story that the first century Christians could understand. And he used these stories to explain to them about spiritual matters. Now the landowner in this parable was a housemaster. He has all authority and control over his house. He is responsible for all of its concerns and as the fields and the vineyards and everything else that is involved with taking care of his household. Now this land, landowner was desiring workers for his vineyard. So he, he goes out early in the morning seeking those who will work in his vineyard. Now in this parable, the vineyard represents the church. And the landowner represents God. Then the parable of the landowner, the, the house owner holder, wanted people to labor for him in his vineyard. You know, it's the same thing is true when it comes to God. 
from the establishment of the kingdom or the church at Pentecost to the end of time. The Lord needs Christians, and he still needs Christians today who are willing to work in his kingdom, to go out and spread the good news, spread his word, God's word of salvation to the lost. This is exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do in the Great Commission. We see in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that are commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And Jesus' disciples did not disappoint God because we can see throughout the New Testament the amazing growth of the church and the spreading of the gospel. We have to stop and ask ourselves, are we disappointing God with our work? Or are we creating joy in his heart by going out and doing what he told us to do? Are we going out and... Uh, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Are we taking the good news, God's word, out to the to the lost? As I said, throughout the New Testament, uh, we see growth of the church spreading the gospel. The birth of the church in Acts 2, it tells us that over th uh, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. These Christians went from house to house and in the temple preaching Daily, Jesus after Christ, we see in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, because of the willingness to labor in God's kingdom, the church grew and grew. How are we going about spreading God's word? Are we going house to house, inviting people to church? Are we even talking to our co-workers? Are we talking to our family members? Are we talking to people that we see on the street about God? Acts chapter 6 verse 7 tells us them, Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. You know, even when Saul tried to break up of these Christians, it just caused them to go to new places and spread God's word. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching his word. They didn't just go off somewhere differently. They went off and still preach God's word. We talk about God's word while we're here in, in this building. But what do we do when we go outside of this building? Do we take the word with us? Do we talk to people? The good news has been preached that so hard that these Jews who, who, oppressed, who opposed the new message from God said this in Acts uh, 17 and 6. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. You see, the first Christian, the first century Christians were working hard in God's kingdom and everyone knew it. God needs work, needs these type workers today just as bad, just as necessary as he needed them in the first century. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 10 verse 2. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. There's a lot of work to be done in God's kingdom, and certainly the harvest is plentiful. Jessup is a small town compared to Atlanta, but it's big compared to Odom. No matter what size 
of an uh, area we're in, whether it's in our work area, or whether it's in Walmart, or whether it's in just our family lives at the table, there is someone we can talk with about God. <coughs> we need to be ready. Paul tells us that Christians are to be ready for every good work in Titus 3 and 1. By an example, Jesus said he must do the works of the Father while it is still day in John 9 and 4. Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When it, came, when it became uh, Christians, we signed up to work in God's kingdom. So we cannot be idle. Even in the Old Testament, God did not want his people to be idle. Amos chapter 6, verse 1. He said, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. You see, the kingdom is a place for laborers. It's not a retirement community. We can't just come in and say, Okay, I believe in God. I give my life to God. I get baptized. Just sit down. We have to go out and work in God's. We have to be soldiers in God's army. Now the next thing I want to point out is that the place of the work is in the vineyard, which represents God's church or his kingdom. See, the laborers were hired into his vineyard. They were not given a choice of which vineyard to work in because the Lord only has one vineyard, one church. Do you remember when Jesus, what Jesus told Peter? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. In this passage, Jesus is stating that he will build his church singularly upon this rock, which is in reference to Jesus' deity. You see, the word of God knows nothing of denominations or tells us nothing of denominations. Instead, it stressed the unity of the faith and having unity of the mind. There was one church in the first century. This means that it can only be one church today. To further show this, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 22, 23. It says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice the church and the body of Christ are synonymous. And when Paul was writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, he states that there is just one body. And since there is just one body and that belongs to God, surely we can understand that we must labor in that one body or else our work is in vain. We'll give you another example. So, for example, if, if I ask you to mow my lawn, and told you I'd pay you when you get through mowing my lawn. And when I come home, I found out instead of mowing my lawn, you mowed my neighbor's lawn. Now, do you think I'm going to pay you for it? No. Because you didn't mow my yard. The same thing is true when it comes to God's kingdom. Paul makes it clear how we enter to that body, to just one body, so that we can begin to labor for God. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 tells us, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. So you see, until a person obeys the gospel call 
and is baptized in the Jews for remission of their sins, they cannot enter into the one body. No matter how many good things they have done in the name of God, it will not help them at all because they are not laboring in God's kingdom. Now, I hope that you kind of let that settle in just for a moment and realize that baptism is essential to one's salvation. Now, we kind of continue on in the parable. Matthew 22, where it says that, and now he had agreed to the, to the labors for a, a dinero a day. He sent them into his vineyard. And then he went out the third hour and saw others standing out on the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Whatsoever right, I will give you. So they went. And he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing out and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day? And they said to him, Because no one hath hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. Whatsoever is right, you will receive. Now the landowner here, he hires his laborers to work in his vineyard at different times of the day. The first group, he, he agrees to to work for a penny a day, a denarius. As I said, a denarius was a Roman coin, which was a standard pay for a day's worth of work. Now as the day progressed, we see that God's word tells us that the householder went out to the marketplace the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. But he did not specify what he would pay them, only that they would receive what was right. Now, one thing I want to point out here is that those who were outside the vineyard was considered being idle by the Lord. Again, to stress the point that anything done outside of God's kingdom is considered as idle work. Now, the difference in the hour in this parable represents conversions at different periods in one's lives. In other words, in different ages of their lives. Some are converted at a young age, while others are converted at an older age. Another thing I want to point out is that all the workers accepted the labor as soon as it was offered to them, and they didn't delay. So this parable in no way offers support for delayed <coughs> obedience of faith. However, it should be encouraging those who were converted to late in life to know that God could still use them in their short time left here on earth. No one should ever take the risk of waiting for the end of their life to obey Christ because they may die. Certainly, we certainly want to die of being idle outside the kingdom of God. It's important to us to understand that it doesn't matter whether you become a Christian at age 14 or at age 110. God wants you to work in his kingdom and God is not concerned about how long we have worked, but he is concerned with how we have worked while we had the opportunity. I wouldn't encourage anyone to say, well, when I get older and retired, I'll have plenty of time, so I'll serve the Lord then, because we're not guaranteed that time in our lives. I would beg you not to do it now while you still have a chance. Now, Matthew 20, starting in verse 8, says, So when Eden had come, the owner of the vineyard went out to the steward and called, he told the steward, he said, Call these laborers in. Give them their wages. Begin them with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired on the eleventh hour, they received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they should receive more, and likewise receive each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, 
I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Daenerys? Take what is yours and go thy way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful me to do what I wish with my own? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, the first last. Then he said, for many are called, but few are chosen. Have you ever really thought about what was meant by that comment? Many are called, but few are chosen. Many, everyone is offered the opportunity of having eternity in heaven. But only a few will accept. Here we see the landowner of the vineyard orders his steward to pay the labor, starting from the last to the first. Now much, I'm sure, to everyone's surprise, he paid them all the same, a Daenerys, a penny a day. Now this shows the kindness and the generosity of the landowner. As he gave those he hired on the 11th hour, the same as he gave the ones he hired on the first hour. The reward here represents eternal life. This, of course, does not suggest that somehow we can earn a right to heaven because our salvation is a gift from God and we can never earn or merit it by ourselves. Romans 6 and 23 makes it plain what said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now those that had hired on the first hour thought that they deserved more than the laborers that were hired on the eleventh hour and complained to the land of he However, he reminds them that he is paying them exactly what they agreed and tells them it's up to him to decide how he uses his possessions. If he wanted to pay the 11th hour worker 500 denarius for their one hour work, it certainly would be his right to do so. Now the landowner <clears throat> rewarded these workers according to his will in spite of their complaining of the others. Now this teaches us that one has the right, this teaches us that no one has the right to judge what our Almighty God does. He gives us a reward based upon His will. Then the parable ends telling us that the last shall be first and the first last. I think there would be some big surprises at the judgment day because I believe that those that are regarded as pillars of the church might be last. And those that are hardly known might be first. For example, like the old widow who gave two mites in Mark 12 42. Or Mary of Bethany who poured the fragrant oil on, on Jesus' head in Matthew 26 and 8. Now Jesus said in the parable that many are called but few are chosen. Today we are called by the word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14. Not everyone is called except the word of God. So many are called and few are chosen. It's just like we studied of King Agrippa. He had the opportunity, but he didn't choose it. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for, the wide, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go by and, the, and by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. I hope that everyone here today decides to continue to be one of the few. And you roll up your sleeves and get busy in God's kingdom today.
I think another great story that goes along with the concept of how we as Christians should labor for God is found in Luke 17, starting in verse 7 through 10. It says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he is coming from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself, Serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterwards, you will eat and drink. Does he think that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all these things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable service. We have done what was our duty to do. Jesus is letting us know that when we are working in God's kingdom, he doesn't have to thank us for it. And we certainly are not earning anything for our labors. We are simply doing our duty that God has given us to do because we are his faithful servants. In conclusion, I want to point out just a few things. We learn from this parable on the labors in the vineyard that, well, first off, God is compassionate and he is always seeking out sinners. Second Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slight concerning his promise. Some count slightness, but it's long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Secondly, we, we see here that God wants workers in his kingdom, whether you're old or young, whether you have one talent or a hundred talents. We all have something that we can do for the Lord. Another thing, God will grant you eternal life in heaven, even if your labor very short on this earth. We must avoid being like those that were first hired, trying to tell God that we deserve more because we have worked harder. Instead, we need to be happy that God has counted us worthy and we need to realize that we were merely doing our duty to God as servants uh, to God. And we should not compare ourselves to others. What I mean by this is 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or prepare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not likewise. Finally, it's the quality of our service that counts with God, not the quantity. One of the major points of this parable is that God, through his abundant love and grace, will bestow and full, the fullness of his blessing to all those who enter into the kingdom of God by obeying the gospel call and who continue to labor in his vineyard. If we stop and think and ask ourselves a question I asked at first, what have I done for God? We need to stop and think. Well, last week's gone. Let's look at next week. What can I do for God? And then he ended up with, what am I going to do for God? With nothing else on our hearts but the thoughts of God and what we can do and what we are going to do for him. What if you need to be baptized or become a child of God? You've already been baptized, but maybe you stepped out of God's way or you've been tried and tempted. And you need to incur prayer and encouragement in the congregation. Whatever need may be, we ask you to come forward this time. As we stand and sing our song of invitation.